I've been introduced by him a few times, but never got to introduce uh, him myself. Uh, it's Pastor Mark Barrick from Orlando, Florida. This is Caitlin's uh, father. And if you're wondering why we've experienced four seasons in the past 72 hours, he prayed for this. Uh, he said, I love the snow. And I said, it's because you don't live in the snow. So if you're looking for someone to blame, it's him. Uh, but don't hold that against him for the next few minutes. Uh, would you put your hands together with me and welcome Pastor Mark Barrick. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Good to be in the house of the Lord uh, tonight. Uh, Bishop Enos told me to uh, just take liberty here tonight and feel at home, and I, I certainly do. So glad to be here in Cincinnati and um, amongst a lot of friends, uh, seeing the Wilsons up here uh, leading worship. Uh, I'm probably supposed to hug Brother Wilson here sometime tonight for his son. Uh, before we leave and seeing Aunt Connie up here uh, in, in worship and the Tierneys doing an awesome job here as your assistant pastors um, the Duvall's wonderful job with your, your ministry team here amen um, I love uh, Bishop and Sister Enos and just the opportunity to be able to hang around them uh, for a few hours today is just going to be super special for me. And um, then your pastor. Don't you have an awesome pastor here at Tree of Life Church? Pastor and Sister Urshan. Wonderful, awesome people. And I'm here tonight to learn a lot from this church and what you're doing. And take notes and go home and try to implement some things back at our home church in Orlando, Florida. And I, I love uh, what I feel here in this place, amen, and grateful for this opportunity uh, to be here. Um, my wife is here uh, at church tonight somewhere in the shadows. You'll find Tammy. Where are you at, hon? Oh, oh, you're over here with Caitlin. There she is. She is she's sweet as can be. If you ever get a chance to meet Tammy, you, you won't find anybody sweeter and We've been married 31 years. We'll be married 32 years in June. And she's, uh, she's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I have uh, uh, a pastor. We pastor in Orlando, Florida, and have been there for 16 years now. But we've kind of been involved in ministry for a long time. Our first church that we pastored, uh, I was 22 years old, and Tammy was 18 Am I getting that right? 23? I was 23 maybe? 23 and 18 years old. And um, that was out in Centerville, Iowa. And we just, we've been involved in ministry ever since and just loving every minute of it. Um, my oldest son, Trevor, and his wife, Eleanor, they're our assistant pastors there in Orlando, Florida. And we're so blessed uh, to have them as part of our ministry team there. Matter of fact, he's speaking tonight at, at our home church in Orlando. And um, then I have a, a son, another son, Cody, who's serving in the United States Navy right now. Uh, he's serving on the USS Virginia, which is a submarine. And I'm not sure how he does it, but he does. Uh, he, he got back recently from his uh, six-month deployment. And uh, I'm real proud of Cody and what he's doing. 
And then um, my daughter, Caitlin, you all have met her, and my son-in-law, Tyler. These are awesome, wonderful young people. I think probably this church is blessed with some of the greatest youth pastors that there is in, um, in, in Tyler and Caitlin. I'm so proud of them. And um, my kids are about the best things I've ever done in my life is my kids. And I'm just so proud of, of their love for the Lord and, and serving Him. So um, tonight I'm going to talk about, with the Lord's help, I'm going to talk about something I suppose that you have already been talking a lot about uh, around here at Tree of Life Church. And um, I, I just, I'm not going to be a big splash uh, speaker tonight that I'm going to say things that, uh, that you've never heard. Uh, but I just, I, I want to kind of come in and tag along with uh, what your pastor has been preaching and teaching and what your ministry team has been talking about. I want to talk about vision uh, tonight. And I know that you're in a capital campaign and you have plans to build a new building or extension building, 1,000 seat auditorium, I think is what I've seen. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. Hallelujah. Is, is there anybody here tonight you believe that's going to happen? You believe a thousand seat auditorium here? Praise God. I think I saw a, 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 some more additions for teaching and training. I, I just know the Lord's hand is in this and believing God that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Praise God. Absolutely, God is going to do what he says he's going to do. Praise God. Uh, one verse of scripture tonight uh, to begin with, and that's in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 29 and verse number 18. You've, you know this verse of scripture. You probably uh, have been preaching from this here in the past few weeks. But it simply says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And then it goes on to say, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And I, I kind of want to tag in on that thought tonight about the vision. Let's pray together. Father, we love you tonight. And we're so grateful for this opportunity that we have to come to your house to worship in spirit and in truth. We love your holy presence that we have felt in this place. And I pray, Lord, for the next few moments, just anoint these lips of clay to speak to your people. A, a good word, an encouraging word, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You know, as a pastor church um, in our church in Orlando, I, um, I study a lot about vision and about leadership. And um, I know that in our, our world today, uh, a pastor uh, is kind of expected to um, have vision and carry vision and so have great leadership skills. And so I study a lot about leadership and there's a lot of books on, on leadership and studies. I, um, I've really enjoyed um, leadership studies from Maxwell and uh, from Crochelle, from Stanley, um, from others that are outside of our movement that I've really enjoyed um, the readings of, of leadership. I have a close friend who's written three books, Dr. Eugene Wilson on leadership, and I've, I've read his books, and 
they've all been encouraging and I've learned from, from his books on leadership. I suppose in our movement, there are many pastors who have never written a book about leadership or missionaries that have never written a book about leadership, yet every uh, week they get in pulpits and they cast vision for the church to see and to follow after, praise God. And I'm so glad for visionary men and women in our United Pentecostal Church. I'm so grateful for visionary leaders that catch on to what God is trying to do and trying to show us. Um, one of the, the glimpses that, that we catch in vision is that it is a picture, a vision is a picture of what God wants to do or what God is trying to do. If you catch the vision, you catch a picture of what God is wanting to accomplish within the church. Amen. And in our world, what God is, is wanting to do is found in, in a vision. To a pastor, vision is critical. To the church, a bold vision is critical. We read it tonight that without a vision, the people perish. And let that weight settle in tonight because it's so true and so real that if we don't follow God's plan, if we don't follow the picture that God is trying to present to us, then souls are absolutely going to be lost and people will perish. They, the people will perish without a vision. The, the, the writer of Proverbs said that people perish without a vision, that they are, uh, they are unrestrained without a vision. They can't finish their goals. They, they dream dreams, but they don't know how to accomplish the dreams that they're having. And so God puts inside of some great leader a vision of what he's wanting to do. Praise God. A vision is necessary. A vision is critical. You've got to have a vision tonight or the people perish. Do you believe that? If you do, clap your hands to the Lord. You've got to have a vision. And, and I'm just kind of tagging in uh, tonight uh, on this pulpit that has already been cast in a beautiful vision. I've seen uh, your vision and heard your vision and and um, I've seen the, the drawings and I've seen uh, the information from your capital campaign. And I just want to tag along and say tonight that that is such a bold, powerful vision that God has given this church, the tree of life, and your pastor, Pastor Urshan, God has given him such a bold and powerful vision for the future of this church. You ought to be excited about it. You ought to wake up in the morning and be excited about what God wants to do. Every time you drive in on this property, something ought to stir up inside of your heart and in your soul. And you ought to be saying, look what God is going to do. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, Tyler's been sharing with me uh, some of the, the goings on here at the church and uh, some of the, the things that have been taking place. I'm so glad. I think on Sunday night this week, you had two people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And somebody was baptized in Jesus' name. 
This is what happens when a church has a vision. The church is going to grow. Hallelujah. The work of God is, is going to continue when you get a vision. Praise God. Something powerful is going to happen when you have a vision. And uh, let me just say tonight, I believe with all my heart that this is absolutely going to happen. Look over somebody near you tonight and tell them it's going to happen. Look at somebody on the other side and tell them it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I believe it so strongly that, that what we do for God, God's going to get a hold of. Hallelujah. And he's going to do something greater. He's going to blow our minds. He's going to do the impossible things. God's going to get a hold of what we're doing. And he's going to do greater things with it. If you took this property and you tilled it up and you planted some corn out in this field, by this fall, you'd have some seed that would begin to grow and corn would grow in this field. If you took a, a, a bank a, a, of, of uh, solar panels and you put it on this hillside over here and you hooked it up, something's going to happen you're going to harvest some energy because you planted on the hillside solar panels. But let me say today that that's in a natural world. And God's promised that what we sow, we're going to reap. Hallelujah. So if we in the spiritual believe that God is going to put a thousand seat sanctuary on this property. Hallelujah. That God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And if you plant, hallelujah, and you water, God is going to give an increase. It's a promise. I'm telling you, the church is meant to grow. God designed the church to grow. It, it's actually going to grow without you doing anything. You don't know it, but all you got to do is plant a seed in the ground and it begins to grow and you're looking at it and you're wondering if anything's happening. Is anything going to take place? But with the church absolutely doing nothing, the church is going to grow because the seed, the word of God is going to do what it needs to do. But let some folks get excited about the work of God and begin to work with God and work with their leadership and began to plant some seed. Hallelujah. You're going to reap some souls. Hallelujah. Thank God for a vision. We've got to have a vision. We need a vision. Without a vision, the people perish. Come on, somebody. We perish without a vision. Vision usually starts with why are we doing this? It's almost always the catalyst for vision is why we're doing this. Many times it's because something's happened that's broken our hearts. And because our hearts are broken, we, we catch a vision and we, we do something. But many times God plants in the heart. He plants in our hearts this idea, this demand upon us to do something greater than us something bigger than us something that only God could get involved in and do 
and he plants it in our hearts. Praise God. You know, we live in Orlando. You may have heard of Disney World. I'm not sure whether you have or not. But we live in Orlando. And Disney World is there in Orlando, Magic Kingdom, Epcot uh, Center. This is not a commercial, but if uh, Epcot Center and, and uh, all these, these Disney ideas came from one man. Walt Disney cast a vision. But there's something wonderful about the vision that he cast was that when he dreamed, he didn't dream alone. But he brought all others along on the dream that he had. And we were, we were walking around Epcot the other day, Tammy and I, this beautiful facility, and we were talking about this idea that that Walt Disney had. And as great of a vision as he had, I've got to tell you that what is there now is far beyond Walt Disney's dreams and things that he imagined. It's far beyond. And the reason it's far beyond what he dreamed and he imagined was because with his vision, he allowed other people to be a part of his vision. And they captured that same idea and that same vision. And it was in their hearts. And when Epcot was opened up, Walt Disney had already passed away. But it continued on because he helped put it in the hearts of his leadership and in the hearts of his team and in the hearts of those that would jump along and be in a vision with him. God is looking for some people that he can instill faith in. Hallelujah. And want to go on this journey with God. Hallelujah. This faith journey to see what God can do. Do you believe it tonight? If you do, clap your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. So in the Old Testament, God gave a man, Nehemiah, a vision. And I suppose it was probably heartbreak that brought the the vision originally to Nehemiah. Nehemiah uh, had gone to Jerusalem and he'd seen the destruction of, from the captivity. He'd seen the walls of Jerusalem down and he saw the gates of the city that they were in ruin, that they had been burnt. And this was something that to, to Nehemiah, uh, this vision of building a wall was cast because of heartbreak. When Nehemiah saw the walls do, uh, torn down, in his mind, it was a reproach that this had happened. He didn't see this as as being a victory for God or for the people of God. He saw it as as a reproach. And he even said that it was a reproach. What he was saying was, this looks bad on God. We're supposed to be the people of God, that God loves, and we've got victory, and we're on the hallelujah side. But we're all living like slaves in captivity, like we have year after year. And this is a reproach in the eyes of God. And that's what got in Nehemiah's heart at first was he was, he was heartbroken. But God had put Nehemiah in a position and God had shown favor upon Nehemiah. And it would be the king that would allow him to go to, to Jerusalem and begin to rebuild those walls. He would have adversity 
and there will be adversity in anything and everything that you do for God, you are going to face adversity. Hallelujah. The, 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 the road to victory or the road to success or whatever you want to call it is not linear. It's not a straight line to success. You don't just wake up one day and all of a sudden you're on the hallelujah side and you've had victory. But there are twists and there are turns and there are hills and there are valleys. Hallelujah. And God has to put in you the resolve that, that just because it doesn't happen today and we don't get it right now, we're going to keep the vision alive and we're going to stay after it. Hallelujah. Anything in your life that you do for God, anything in your life that you try to accomplish for God, it doesn't matter what. The devil is going to fight you. He's going to come against you. He's going, come on somebody. He, he's going to be your adversary. And it was such for Nehemiah and Ballad and Tobiah. They were his adversaries. They, they came along and said things derogatory about the wall. And they said things derogatory about, about Nehemiah and the people of God. You know, that, that a, a fox could just come along and lean up against the wall that they're beginning to build and it would fall over. He, he attacked their credibility and they were always, Sinbalat and Tobiah were always trying to get Nehemiah to come away from the work and get away from the work that was going on. And, and he, he was, he was a, a leader that had to stay in that fight and fight off those feelings and those insecurities. And he had to fight against those things that, that, that were warring against him. Every child of God, no matter what you're doing for the kingdom, there's going to be a time when you're going to question your abilities there's going to be time, pastors that are here, youth pastors that are here. There's going to be times that you question whether you have what it takes, whether you have the qualities that are, are necessary to continue on this. Am, am, am I the person that I need to be? You're all going to fight those things. But let me preach today on this Wednesday night that you have a God, hallelujah, that wants to get involved in everything that you are doing for Him. And He's going to fill in those gaps. Hallelujah. And Nehemiah and the people of God got discouraged. About halfway through the process, they were burdened. They were feeling the discouragement. They heard the words from Sambalat and Tobiah. And um, they were discouraged about what was happening. They, um, they felt like that at any moment they could be consumed. And this is what the scripture says in Nehemiah chapter 4. And verse number 10, in Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemy said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. I want you to notice that, that even the enemies recognized it as not being their work, the work of the people, but even the enemies recognized 
that it was the work of God. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad to be involved in the work? Aren't you glad to be involved in the, the only work that really matters? Hallelujah. You're a part of the kingdom, praise God. You're a part of the work of God. And so this great fear came upon them. They were halfway finished, but it was good. It was good that they were at this place because I've written in my Bible, Revelation. They got this revelation. And they said this, by ourselves, we will not be able. <laughs> Hallelujah. What a great revelation to get that if we're going to accomplish this, we're going to need God. Hallelujah. What a great place to be to wake up to the revelation that if this is going to get done, we've got to have God on our side and we're not going to be able to do this by ourselves. Let me just preach to you for a moment today that ego is one of the greatest enemies that we have among us. Our pride and our flesh is one one of the things that we've got to fight against continually. Hallelujah. It was these people of God that finally got the revelation. We've got to have God if we're going to do this. We've got to have God if we're going to accomplish this. If we don't have God, it won't happen. If we don't have God, it's not going to take place. I'm telling you, ego is such an enemy that it creeps in everywhere. I, I, I got a revelation recently. I, you know, in the past, I've said things like, you know, we don't have to pray. We get to pray. And I stood up to, in front of my church and I've taught lessons on it before, Pastor Enos, about how that, that it's really about the want to. We've got to have the want to and we've got to have the desire. And, and, and it's not that we have to pray or we must pray, but it's that we, we get to. It's our privilege, and it's wonderful. And I know that sounds great today, but let me just say I got a revelation because there is no good thing in me. You may not have to, but I've got to pray. I must pray because my flesh is weak, because I've got an adversary, the devil, that's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I, I have got to pray. It for me, maybe not for for you today. It's not that I get to. It's that I've got to. I've got to because my flesh is weak. I've got to because if I don't pray, I'll be carnal. Because if I don't pray, my pride is going to rise up. Because if I don't pray, my flesh is going to be stronger than the Spirit. You've got to pray. You must pray. You better be praying. If we don't pray, we give a door opening to the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know they were weak, but it was one of the greatest places that they could be because they got the revelation. If God doesn't help us, we're not able. Hallelujah. And so God gave Nehemiah a plan. And that plan was that while some worked, others would watch. And every man would keep his, his tool that he worked with and his sword by his side. And some would watch, and they, if they saw the enemy coming, they would call out for a rally point. And Nehemiah set the people together, and there was a great unity. In 52 days, the work was completed. In 52 days, it was accomplished. 
In 52 days, the wall was finished. But something happened after the wall was finished. And I know this, that this is what happens with vision. With vision, it's all about the vision. It's all encompassing. Everything goes towards the vision. I know as a pastor, when God gives me a vision, it consumes me. It's, it's everything. When I when I'm wake up in the morning, it's the vision. During, the, during my day hours, it's the vision. At nighttime, it's the vision. While I'm trying to sleep, it's the vision. It's all encompassing and it's all consuming. Everything is about the vision. It's the vision in the morning. It's the vision in the evening. It's vision at supper time. Come on, somebody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's the, it's the vision. It's always the vision. It's the vision. I can just imagine Nehemiah waking up every morning. It's the wall. 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 Everybody he saw, come on, we got to get this done. Come on, brothers. More brick. Come on, brothers. Dig in deeper. Everything was about the vision. Every day, every morning, it, it was all consuming in Nehemiah's life. We've got to get this thing done. And it got in the heart of the people. We've got to get this accomplished. In the morning, it was about the vision. It's about the wall. It's about the wall. It's about the wall. We got to build the wall. We got to get the wall done. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? It, it just consumes us. It becomes a part of our life we, we, we stay up late at night about it. We, when we wake up in the morning, we can't go back to, or when we make up, wake up in the middle of the night, we can't go back to sleep because it's just consuming us. We're thinking about it. We're praying about it. We're giving towards it. We're involved in it. We're working so hard. Everything is about the vision. Everything was about the wall. But something incredible happened. When the wall was finished... They quit talking about the wall. Nobody brought their friends over and said, here's what I built on the wall. Nobody talked about where their place was on the wall. Nobody talked about all the great things that they did on the wall. Nobody talked about how much they'd given for the wall to be built. It was a different atmosphere that came upon the people. And it was really, it was good. It was a change. And change is something that vision is all about. If you think that you're going to have vision and you're not going to have change, do I need to quit here? Is this a good spot? Should, should, I, should I just stop here? <laughs> you can't have vision and not have change. It's what comes with vision. Change comes along with it. But here it was a positive thing. When things were trying to get back to normal, the people did this. 
they called for Ezra. And they said, Ezra, we'd like for you to read the law. And it was, it was just amazing how it happened. It wasn't that Nehemiah organized it. It wasn't that Ezra, the, the, the prophet, organized this gathering. It was amazing. The people just started coming out into the streets. And they just, they, they just started gathering in the gathering place. And they asked if Ezra would, 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 would read the word of God. And Ezra had built a little a pulpit, if you will, for the reading of the word of God. And he broke that out. And he began to read. This is how the scripture reads it in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 1. And all the people gathered as one man into the same square before at the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses as the Lord commanded. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all that could hear and understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read it facing the square before the water gate from the early morning till the midday in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand. He read for hours. He stood and he read the word of God. And as he read the word of God, the people understood that there was something that they had not been doing, a way of worship that they had not been doing for years. Probably since they had come into captivity, it was the festival of booths or the festival of weeks. And it had been years and years and years and years since anybody had worshipped in this way. And when the word of God was read, they saw, we haven't been practicing this. This isn't something we've been doing. This is something we ought to reinstitute. This is something that we ought to do again. We ought to have this. It's, it's in the Word of God. I, see, it was so hard for them to have it before. How can you have a festival of weeks when you're celebrating the leaving of Egypt when you're bound in Babylonian captivity? How can you celebrate victory when there is no victory? How can you have this great celebration, the festival of weeks, how can you have this wonderful outpouring when there is no victory? And so they determined amongst themselves, we've got to do this. We've got to have this festival of weeks. We've got to get back to what, what was preached and, and practiced, and we've got to do this. You see, the wall was never really the vision. The vision was God. God was the vision. It was never the wall. The wall was a way to get the people of God to see God in a whole different light than they had been seeing him. It was the wall that got the people back to Jerusalem. 
It was the wall that got the people back to Jerusalem and, and back so that they could hear the word of God. Hallelujah. The vision was never about the wall. The vision was always about the people coming to God. It was always about the word of God being preached. It was always about, come on somebody, the vision. <laughs> Can I go ahead and preach for just a few more moments tonight? That I'm sure that the vision that Pastor Urshan has been casting is not just so that you can say you're great and Cincinnati has a thousand seat auditorium, but it's so the word can be preached. It's so people can come to God. It's so lives can be changed. Oh, hallelujah. I believe it so strongly, Bishop Enos. I believe it so strongly that God's going to do this thing. So there's people who've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Who have never worshipped like apostolics. Are going to come to the house of God. Because you had a vision. Because you had a vision. Hallelujah. The reason that people perish without a vision is because people perish without God. It was never about the wall. It was never about their accomplishments. It's never about what they could do. It was all about people seeing God in a whole different light than they had ever seen God before. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, uh, I got involved with some ministry down in the country of Haiti. Uh, you may have heard um, your youth pastors talk a little bit about it. They've been down to Haiti before. I, I got involved and I got started because we, we have uh, several Haitians in Orlando, Florida that we've taught Bible studies to and They've repented and been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and they told their friends, and we taught them Bible studies, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. And so we went just simply with the, the idea of um, teaching Bible studies down in, in Haiti. And from that, some incredible things have happened. On one of maybe my second or third, third trip, I'm going to ask you to come and help me out, hon, if you don't mind. Maybe one of my second or third trip down to Haiti, uh, before I'd, I'd gotten connected with the missionaries down there, the Bryans, uh, one of the men in my church, he took me on a drive and we went to um, a hill. And he said, Pastor, he said, you can, you can buy anything on this hillside you want to for a church. And it, it, it was just about as far as the eye could see, you, you could see land available. And so I said to Andre, I said, Andre, what about on the other side of the road? Because I knew the ocean was on the other side of the road. <laughs> so I said, I said, Andre, what about the other side of the road? Can we buy up there? And he said, yes, yes, you can buy up there. So we walked up on top of the hill. It was so hot. It was so miserable. I prayed that prayer that we all pray when we're so hot and miserable. Lord, I'll never do this again. If you'll help me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? 
God, I'll never do this again if you'll just get me out of this. It was so hot and miserable, but this breeze from the ocean hit us, and I was looking out at the Caribbean Sea, and I just, I'm not going to tell you that I'm this great visionary, and I saw a medical clinic up there and an orphanage, and uh, a working a house working for a house there for doctors and nurses to come and stay on, people from the United States coming down to do medical clinics on this this medical clinic property. I can't tell you that I saw this in in a vision. All I knew was this is something we need to buy. We need to buy this land. And so we started, we started working on that. We purchased the land. And um, to make a, a short story long, we, uh, <laughs> we, we uh, got in contact with the missionaries. We got it, the land to the, the United Pentecostal Church name and uh, purchased. On a, a walk up that hill um, one day, we were walking along and a couple of Haitian pastors were with us. And the idea that I was trying to get was one of these two Haitian pastors to catch the vision of them living up on this property and, um, and being a part of this work that was going on up there to kind of be overseers. And so we were walking up the hill and there were these two Haitian pastors, there was a couple men from their church and they were talking on the way up the hill amongst themselves and so I asked, I, I, I don't know Creole, and I asked the missionary, I said, Brother Brian, what are they saying? And they said, they're, they're saying that this place is so far off the road that even a bird can't find it. <laughs> Man, I want to knock those guys out. I was, Bishop Venus, I was so mad. I would, my spirit, I was so mad. What do you mean a bird can't even find this thing? <laughs> I guess what I want to say is that there's been so many times during the, the, the work of a wall around this property and the building of a, uh, a medical clinic, which, thank God, there's a, a medical clinic now on this property that over 1,500 patients have been ministered to and doctors and nurses have been there. Um, we had a miracle happen uh, with medical equipment that was given to us by a church up in uh, um, Illinois, uh, by Chicago area, Pastor Solaris, medical equipment. That's nicer than the doctor's office that I go to. And we were able to get it shipped down and taken up to the medical clinic. But there's been so many times involved in that work where it was about the wall, the wall, the wall, the wall. Or it was about the building, the building, the building, the building. Or it was about the medical equipment, the medical equipment. And then I got that revelation that it's really not about the wall. It's not about the medical clinic. It's not about that, the house for the doctors to stay in. It's all about seeing God in a different light in a different way of working than we've ever seen before. Hallelujah. Without a vision. Would you stand with me? Without a vision, the people perish.
Without a vision, the people perish. Hallelujah. I'm, I know you've worked all week and you've worked today and you've got to work tomorrow. I'm going to invite you, if you would, to just take a moment and let's come to this altar. If you can't make your way all the way up here, if, if you want to just stand where you're at, but I'm asking every heart and every life, if you would tonight, let's, let's come to God and let's catch this vision about what God can do and what God wants to do. Hallelujah. That it's bigger than us. That it's more important than us. Hallelujah. Whatever God is doing and working in your life tonight. Would you come and just draw a little closer to Him? It's all about worshiping Him anyway. It's all about giving Him the glory anyway. It's all about finding a new way to see Jesus Christ high and lifted up. Hallelujah. He'll reveal His glory. He'll reveal His presence. He'll do it for us tonight. Hallelujah. Young people, if you're needing direction in your life, you don't know it, but God's going to pour out divine favor on you. God's going to do things for you. you. You don't know about your future and you're worried about it. and You're making plans. You don't know the divine favor that God is going to give you if you just praise Him. You don't have any idea today the doors that He's going to open and the people that you're going to stand for and before just because you gave God glory, just because you put God first in your life. <laughs> There's going to be people you run into and people you cross paths with. Doors that are going to open up that are going to blow your mind. And it's all because you put God first. It's that divine favor that comes from God. Hallelujah. Come on, every young person here tonight, every mom and dad, let's lift up our hands and glorify God.